Broken Tile, Renewed, 1964. Giovanni Moon and Unknown Artists. Concrete, multicolored ceramic tiles, and other unknown materials. Attention, please stay behind the designated safety barriers. However, if you're feeling particularly reckless today, we especially ask that you please do not step on any of the tile mosaics. If these colorful patches remind you of something, you may be thinking of kintsugi, the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with gold, silver, or platinum-dusted lacquer. And you would be right to make that connection, for that is exactly what inspired this particular repair project. Annabelle Godfrey and Giovanni Moon had just returned from a trip to Japan, a trip that marked the rekindling of their relationship after a period of separation. And it was on this trip that Annabelle first encountered the art form, in which perfectly imperfect ceramics proudly display their full history, damage and all. Something we should all aspire to, she once noted. She was so taken with the concept that when she returned to the estate and found portions of this room's tile floor cracked into pieces, she enlisted Moon to repair them with a patchwork of colorful mosaics. These designs are the ones furthest away from your current location. Reports differ over what exactly caused the cracks in the first place. The most accounts agree that a sudden, violent tremor rocked this room, and only this room. But the source of the tremor remains elusive, for the local branch of the Geological Survey did not detect any tectonic disturbances during the time of the incident, nor did patrons or staff in other areas of the estate notice anything amiss. But regardless of this mystery, it created the metaphorical canvas for those earliest mosaics. Splashes of radiant color in an otherwise neutral floor. And the other patterns that you see blend in so well with those first designs that initially, they went unnoticed by estate staff members. For those spots appeared after Moon filled in the original sections of damage. Those patches splinter outward, like a fracture growing in a pane of glass. At first glance, they appear to be more of the same, nothing but harmless ceramic tile. But staff and patrons alike learn the truth of the matter the hard way. Some of these mosaics are so caustic that all it takes is a few moments to eat through the sole of a shoe, and less time still to eat through more once a shoe is rendered useless by corrosion. Others emit some sort of invisible, hallucinogenic substance, it is unclear exactly what, that is only active in a limited space around that section of the floor. Those accidentally subjected to this effect spoke of strange visions, most frequently featuring a voice that was both singular and not, from an entity that was both present here and encompassed all the world. Most of these individuals recovered, though reported lingering nightmares. Other patches appeared harmless, if not decidedly more vibrant than most of the other tiles. Neon greens and oranges, bright, bright reds. But like any poisonous thing that warns you with its violent colors, touch it at your own peril. The toxin sent a staff member to the hospital just from grazing it with an ungloved hand. There are more still that have not been studied, for the risk was deemed too great, and when the room refused to be sealed off, the safety barrier went up instead. Oh, I'm receiving an update that a new patch of tile just cracked. 
Most accounts say that these new emergences are accompanied by tendrils of a dark substance rising into the air and reaching out for whoever is closest, though their range is limited and the tendrils dissipate quickly. But then again, space grows limited on this floor, and every new section is closer than the last. We may need to reposition the safety barriers, but don't worry, I'm sure you're fine for now. Attention, Godfrey guests. Attention. We've received reports that Betsy the doll, an estate collection item, was recently spotted in the toys section of the museum gift shop. According to witnesses, she was staring with a look of disapproval at the assortment of dolls available for sale. Though exactly how such an expression could occur on an unmoving porcelain face remains uncertain. These same witnesses also report, after turning their attention away from the toy section for a brief time, seeing a larger selection of dolls than before. Previously, you had the option to bring home doll versions of artists such as Frida Kahlo, Leonardo da Vinci, and Yayoi Kusama, among others. Now, the designs have expanded to include art student, tourist, complete with a functional miniature camera, and Godfrey staff member. The level of detail in the last option's uniform is quite impressive, down to the embroidered logo on the shirt. All this to say... We must insist that patrons avoid the area until further notice. And please remember, this also means avoiding leaving any installations or galleries through their designated exits. To safely depart a gallery, simply walk backwards through the space until you reach the entrance. We apologize for the inconvenience and thank you for your understanding. Untitled, S036, hanging seven-lobed, multi-layered, interlocking, continuous form within a form, with spheres in the first, sixth, and seventh lobes. 1959. Ruth Asawa, oxidized copper and brass wire. Though she worked in many mediums, Asawa is perhaps best known as a sculptor. And even within that discipline, she employed a variety of materials and styles. Her looped wire sculptures, one of which hangs before you now, are arguably the works most readily associated with her name, unsurprising given their distinctive ethereal quality. Each one of these sculptures, though similar in design, are unique. The one before you, like many of the others, hangs pendulum-like from a hook in the ceiling. The undulating curves of its shape call to mind the peaks and valleys of waveforms, several of them, in fact, overlapping with each other. For the outermost looped wire shell contains a smaller, even narrower one, plus a few mesh orbs caught within them. Perhaps it is the contradictory nature of the piece that makes it so striking. Though seemingly delicate, it maintains its shape as it hangs suspended in the air, and the darkness of the oxidized metal, which elsewhere might create a sense of heaviness, only accentuates the gaps in its structure, maintaining its airiness by emphasizing the white wall visible through the piece underscoring the sense of motion in its form. That sense of motion and the see-through nature of the work are not byproducts of the design, but integral to it. The shadows it casts upon the wall are as much a part of this piece as the metal wires that create them. Also part of the viewing experience is how those shadows move when the sculpture twirls ever so slightly upon its hook. 
It doesn't take much to set it into motion. A draft is all it takes. Not much of anything at all, really. But still, the sculpture twirls, and its lace-like shadow twirls with it, colored a delicate shade of gray. But the longer you watch it, the more you'll see. See those pale lines of shadow grow and grow darker, filling in those gaps of white wall until there are only pinpricks of brightness in a sea of murk. Watch longer still and see even those last remnants of brilliance disappear. Watch until the curves of the sculpture's outline no longer match those of the shadow on the wall, until in fact they undulate in waves all their own, expanding outward their peaks and valleys out of sync with their metal counterpart, which now looks fragile for the very first time. Watch this now fragile structure of looped wire begin fading at the edge, as the murky dark somehow stretches beyond the wall upon which it was birthed. You know it is only a matter of time before it claims the sculpture and who knows what else. You watch and wait, unable to move until... The sculpture, still clinging to the fading light, finally stops swaying. In the stillness, the shadows lose their hold on its frame. They weaken and retreat, soften back into the delicate, lace-like pattern that matches perfectly against the wires and angle of light. If you hadn't been watching, it would seem as if nothing had happened at all. But you were watching, weren't you? Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knutson, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva and Chumash territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us. Or two. Or three. Or everyone you know. For information on episode transcripts, ways to support the show, and where to follow us online, please visit our website, thegodfreeaudioguide.com. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum. <laughs>